Shalom, brothers and sisters. Today we have a lesson. It's a short lesson, but it's well needed. It's going to be called the misunderstanding of Paul. Today we're going to go into some of Paul's uh, epistles, which means letters. And the reason why we're going to do that is because Israelites and Christians have a skewed uh, vision on Paul's purpose. A lot of Israelites will deal in the pharisaical spirit, meaning they don't follow the New Testament. And the reason why they don't follow the New Testament is because they believe Paul was a false prophet. Because they believe, you know, how the Christians say Paul said the law is done away with. So because of that reason, a lot of Israelites don't deal with Paul. And Christians use Paul to say they can do whatever they want. So both factions are misrepresenting Paul's purpose. So we want to go into some of those scriptures that may be a little hard to understand that uh, Christians will use in order to maybe deceive you in some way. So we're going to start at Matthew 5 and 17 first because this is the first thing we need to know when you're dealing with Paul. Uh, Matthew 5 and 17. This is Christ, brothers and sisters. This is what Christ had to say about the law. <clears throat> Matthew 5 verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So that's the first thing you must know. Before you go into Paul, understand that Christ said he didn't come to do away with the law. Therefore, if you start with that foundation, then anything you read in Paul's epistles, you understand that he's not saying he's doing away with the law. Because Christ already said that he didn't come to do away with the law. And Paul never was in variance with Christ. Paul and Christ had the same doctrine. Now, Paul's a little bit harder to be understood. And if you don't understand, if you don't understand Christ, or if you don't understand Paul, then you don't understand Christ. So we're going to go into it because what we have to understand is Paul was writing letters based on disputes that was transpiring in the church because <clears throat> you got to remember Christ brought a new doctrine. So there was no, there was no teaching like what Christ was bringing forth before Christ brought it forth. So you had, you had the older brothers in the church coming into the new way, but they were starting to persecute the new converts, even Gentiles, because they were still dealing with the old way of law. So Paul was trying to get them to understand, listen, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to curtail that old way of teaching um, and institute grace. So, in an example we can use is when that woman was caught in the act of adultery and they brought her to Christ. And Christ wrote in the saying, he without sin cast the first stone. That materialized into a doctrine. Not to say that sin was good or there was no law, but to say, you know, there's a grace period in order for you to get it right. So, Paul had to tell a lot of these brothers, listen, if a sister or a brother is dealing with adultery in a church, you're not going to be killing anybody. You're going to give them a... A chance to get it right. Because why? Because Christ's blood paid for that. So we need to just put that out there. Christ was not, or Paul was not doing away with the law. But he was showing a ref, uh, he was reforming the law. Is what he was doing. So we're going to go into, we're going to start at Second Peter 3 and 16. New Testament, brothers and sisters, and this is the misunderstanding of Paul by Jews and Gentiles. We're going to read Second Peter 3, verse 16. 
Second Peter three verse sixteen, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and and unstable rest. That means you're not stable. Continue as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So because brothers and sisters don't understand Paul, they will butcher other scriptures to their to their demise. So the Christian the well the Catholic Church understood that Paul's words were hard to be understood for the unlearned. And we're not being condescending. Unlearned just means you you haven't reached that, you know, that level of understanding yet. Doesn't mean that it's wrong. It means that number one, you need to take your time with it, be patient and pray. Because there's a lot of people who want to be recognized as teachers, but yet they don't understand Paul. So, brothers and sisters, we're going to give you, we're not going to go into all of Paul because that would take us 10 hours. But we just want to break down some of the commonly uh, misused scriptures. And one thing we must remember is that you will never understand Paul if you don't know the reason why he was writing the letters. Paul was writing these letters, brothers and sisters, to the elders in the church, the elders of Colossia, the elders of Ephesians. The elders of Galatia. He wasn't writing these letters to the layman, meaning just the, the regular person that attends the congregation. He was writing to people who already understood the law. So, for example, if I'm writing a letter to an executive, the, I can skip past the middle jargon because we're already on the same level to understand certain things. If I'm a nutritionist and I'm speaking to another tr- nutritionist, I don't have to break things down Till it's, you know, most minute detail because we were speaking the same language. So Paul was writing these letters to brothers who already understood the law. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So the Catholic Church knew this. That's why they used, they built their foundation on Paul. Guarantee if you go to a pastor today and ask him, you know, I, I read in Leviticus that I'm not supposed to eat pork. Um, is that right? I guarantee, we guarantee you that they're going to take you to Paul. They're going to take you right to Romans, Galatians, Corinthians, because there's a great, there's a gray area, which really isn't gray at all. But for those who are unlearned, understand that they will all, anytime they're trying to, uh, skew or anytime they're trying to have you view the law as being done away with, they're going to always take you to Paul. They won't take you to Christ. And that's a guarantee because Christ was clear and easy to be understood. Paul was hard to be understood. So I know that right away when I'm going into scriptures with a pastor, even just a regular Christian, if they start going to Paul, I know right away they're about to try to deceive me. They're going to try to deceive me. So understand, brothers and sisters, even Christians, when they uh, want to bring forth passages that say that they're allowed to do this, that, and the third, they're going to always go to Paul. And this is why. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. As they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So we want to give you the understanding of Paul. Therefore, when the Most High catapults you all as teachers, you have the true understanding of not just the Old Testament, not just the laws of Moses, but also Paul. 
which is hard to be understood, brothers and sisters. So we're going to go now. We're going to we have an example of a scripture that Christians use to say you can eat whatever you want. Crab, shrimp, lobster, mouse, whatever. We're going to go to first Timothy's four and one. This is a scripture they'll use on you, brothers and sisters. New Testament. First Timothy four, verse one. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Right. So you're seduced if you depart from what Christ taught. If you depart from that, you've been seduced. Continue, brother. Verse two, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. And commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving. Now, forbidding to marry. I don't understand how Catholics teach this scripture because they'll tell you a priest can't have a wife or a nun can't have a husband. Which the Bible says you can't tell a man he can't marry. You can't tell a woman that she can't marry. That's a doctrine of devils. Read that one more time, brother. Verse verse 3. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Which God had created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. See, so they'll go here and say, see, you're trying to teach me to abstain from meats that the from pork. You're telling me I can't eat pork. So they'll use this scripture. And, you know, the, the problem with that is the most high in Leviticus 11 never said that you could pray over pork. Read that one more time, brother. Verse three. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meat, which God had created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Right. See, so they'll use this to say you're having me abstain from from pork, from shrimp, when really that's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture is talking about foods that was given to us uh, as clean animals in Leviticus 11. So if I told you you couldn't eat beef. If I told you you couldn't eat venison, then you could come to me and say, brother, that's a doctrine of devils. You've been seduced. You're telling me I can't eat what the most High said was clean. Read that one more time, brother. Verse three, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. The key part is the things that the most High created to be received with thanksgiving. That's the key part, because then you would have to go into Leviticus 11 to see what the most High said was, you know, was lawful to, 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 to partake in. This was a dispute on, between vegetarians or vegans and those who ate meat, physical meat. This is what this was a dispute about, and they'll never give you this information. So he was saying, because some people didn't eat meat, you can't then tell somebody, you know, that they can't have lamb, or they can't have beef, or they can't have ox. That would be a doctrine of devil. Not to say that somebody who don't eat meat is wrong, because it's not wrong. But if you try to tell other people the things that the most High said are clean, are unclean, then that's a doctrine of devils. So this was was a dispute between vegans or vegetarians and those who ate meat regularly. So we're going to go to Genesis 7 and 2 because, in fact, Moses, that wasn't part of Moses' law. The clean and unclean foods, a lot of us think that that came from Moses. So they'll say, well, we're done with Moses' law. That's done away with. But really, Noah, 
How did he know about what was clean and unclean? When the Most High said, "Put two unclean or two clean on the on the ark." This was before Moses. To prove to you that that law was instituted well before Moses. Uh, let's read Genesis seven and two, brother. Genesis seven verse two. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens. Read that again, brother. Verse 2. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens. So, how does he know what's clean and unclean if everything, if you can eat anything? Why would the Most High say, take seven clean if, if there's nothing that's unclean? Now, this is well before Leviticus, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 2. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens. The male and his female, and a beast that are not clean by two, the male and his female. So there was clean and unclean food back then. So Noah even knew what was clean and unclean. So this had nothing to do with Moses, brothers and sisters. We just need to put that out there. This was a dispute in in 1 Timothy 4.1 between those who ate meat and those who didn't. This is not saying that you can eat pork, but they'll use this scripture. They'll pull this out. So you, 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 brothers and sisters, have to have an understanding of what this scripture is talking about because you're taking it out of context to make it seem like the Most High is saying you can have pork when this has nothing to do with pork. This has nothing to do with pork, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 10. We have another scripture that they'll use. Now, a lot of us don't know. We've never done the history on what shambles are. When you see shambles in scripture, shambles are... There are stores, there are markets with meat that are run by Gentiles. So at one time, it was unlawful for an Israelite to go into the shambles of the Gentiles market to purchase food. Why is that? Because in there, they, they may have beef there. They may have poultry there, but right next to it, they have pork. See, and that was against the law for Israel. We weren't allowed to shop there. Even if there was clean food inside It was deemed unclean because there's pork in there. There's shrimp in there. There's crab in there. So the Christians know you don't have that history of what shambles are, but you're going to need it in order to understand what's transpiring in these passages. So we're going to 1 Corinthians. We're going to read uh, verse 10 and 19. Now, remember, shambles are Gentile markets. Anytime they saw a Jew walk into a, a shamble or a Gentile market, they viewed that as blasphemy. So there was a time where we were not allowed to buy food from them. Uh, let's start at 19, brother. 1 Corinthians 10 and 19. What say I then? That, that, that the idol is anything or that which is offered and sacrificed to idols is anything. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 20. <clears throat> but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Continue. Verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. So what the Most High is saying is you cannot, you not, can't be down with the Most High. If you're eating foods that sacrifice to devils or you're celebrating these pagan feasts. And a lot of us don't even look at some of these feasts and the traditions of these feasts of Thanksgiving and Christmas. These are all pagan ritualistic feasts to demons. You can't say you're down with the Most High and be doing that. Continue, brother. Verse 22. 
Do we, do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Read that again, brother. Verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Why is he saying all things are lawful? See, they'll go to this scripture. He's saying all things are lawful for him because why? He understand what's a sin and what's not. So, for example, if a brother see you, somebody, your family may require your presence at a Christmas party. Now, you don't you don't celebrate Christmas, but it's required of you. So you go there, but what do you do? You step out the room when they're praying to that pagan God. You don't eat that food. That's listen. If there's some some clean food, you you go and say, "Hey, what's in those greens? Oh, turkey necks. Let me get some of that. Let me get some of that rice." And now, if somebody put a plate before you that have pork on it, you pull them to the side, not in front of everybody, and you say, "Listen, uh, excuse me. Uh, is there any way that I can give this plate to somebody else? I don't eat pork or whatever. You know, it's not really a big deal." And they'll respect you. But if somebody slaved over a plate, put their love and care and time into it, then you don't have to, dis- you know, you don't have to embarrass them. But say, what is this? I don't eat this. <laughs> so what Paul is saying is all things are lawful for him because in any situation, he know how to still keep the law. That's what he's saying. Read that one more time, brother. <clears throat> Verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Right. So it says, but all things are not expedient. All things edify not. So if we're out and we're teaching, right, that uh, Christmas is pagan, you got to stop eating these foods. And then a brother see me and brother Corey at a Christmas party three days later drinking eggnog, (laughs) even though we may be there to pull a brother out, it's not expedient. Why? Because that brother may stumble because he saw us there. So that's what they're saying. Even though I understand the liberty and I, I'm allowed to be there if I'm doing work. But if a brother or a sister see me there, it may get the wrong idea that I'm not going to do it. That's what this is saying. Read that one more time, brother. <clears throat> Verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. And if it, if, if it doesn't edify, then why do it? If a brother or a sister is going to stumble because of your actions, then don't do it because now it's a sin because you caused the brother or sister to stumble. Continue, brother. Verse 24. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. That means look out for others. That's what that means. Continue. Verse 25. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. There's that word shambles. See? Shambles are Gentile markets. That's what this is. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 25. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. So they'll use this to say, see, you can eat whatever without conscience sake. When really they don't have the history of shambles and they know you don't have the history of shambles. That's why they use these scriptures. What this scripture is saying, read it one more time, brother. Verse 25. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles that eat, Asking no question for conscience sake. So what he was saying, remember, Paul, he converted a lot of Gentiles. So there was Gentiles coming into the church, but they were used to buying their foods in a certain place. Now, one thing you must know, if you're fishing of fishing for men or for women, you can't bombard somebody with all these laws up front. It's just not going to work. So you have to show them the grace first. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 25. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles 
that eat asking no question for conscious sake. Right. Now, what he's saying is buy your meats there as long as it's lawful without conscious sake. Don't worry about it. Go ahead, buy your meats there. But it must be lawful. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, uh, you know, you can eat pork. Why would somebody use this to say they can eat pork? It's because that's what they want to do. So they'll use this to say, see, eat for conscious sake. Everything's lawful for me. No, you, you don't have any understanding of Paul. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 25. Whatsoever is sold in shambles that eat asking no question for conscious sake. So even though it's a Gentile market, you can buy your clean meat there. Continue. Verse 26. For the earth is, is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you a, to a feast. Read that part again. Verse 27. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and ye be disposed to go. Now, if somebody asks you to come to a feast and you got time to go. Continue. Whatsoever is set before you eat asking no question for conscious sake. See, they'll use this. They'll use this to say they can eat pork. See, just eat whatever is there. Just eat. Now, Paul understands the law. So what he's saying is, read it one more time, brother. Verse 27. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. Now suppose what's in front of you is lawful food. Why haven't you expunged that route? Because you don't want to. You want to eat pork. That's why. Because what he's saying is if it's lawful, you can eat it. That's what he's saying. Even though you typically we weren't supposed to sit down with Gentiles and those who are following other gods, Paul was trying to pull our brothers out of the paganism. Our people were scattered through the four corners of the earth. So that means we were amongst Gentiles. We were following Gentiles. And in order to get these brothers, and this is how a lot of Gentiles came into the truth, because we were trying to reach Israel that was amongst the Gentiles. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 27. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. Now suppose what's set in front of you is clean meat. Because Paul understands the law. He's not saying he's going to eat something unlawful, but this is a scripture that they'll go to. Continue, brother. Verse 28. But if any man say unto you, this is offered and sacrificed unto idols. Read that part again. But if any man say unto you, this is offered and sacrificed unto idols. So if somebody come to you and say, you know that food was just offered up to an idol this morning. You, you know that little, you, when you go in there and look at the bottom, that little thing hanging on the bottom, that's, that's an altar right there, brother. Now, if somebody come to you and say, yeah, that Chinese food that you just got, that was prayed to another God. Then what? Continue, brother. Eat not for his sake that showed it. See, so, okay, well, you know what, brother? I don't, I'm good. You can take it. I don't want it. For the sake of he who showed it, he said it was offered to an idol. So if somebody tell you it was offered to an idol, you must put it down and put it away. That's what the scripture is saying. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 28. But if any man say unto you, this is offered and sacrificed unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Right, because why? A lot of the Gentiles have prayed spirits into our food. They've been doing that for ages, brothers and sisters. We just don't know about. And that's how they get us sick. The Bible prophesied that. Go to Second Edris in your apographer, 16 and 68, to prove to you why it's saying this. 
We're going to second address in your apographer, brothers and sisters. We're going to read chapter 16, verse 68. 2 Ezra 16 and 68. For behold, the burning wrath of a great multitude is kindled over you, and they shall be and they shall take away certain of you and feed you being idols with things offered unto idols. Right, see? So while you're being idle, while you're standing still, not really paying attention, they're feeding you foods that are sacrificed to devils. And they've used that in order to attack our immune system. They've done that. Some of these places you can go into them. Uh, there's a place uh, in this area where if there was, I think it was Burrito Temple. Yeah. And when you go in there, they got all types of dragons and all types of Luciferian stuff on the wall, you know. And um, a lot of these places are praying before they open up in the mornings. They're praying these foods to, de- the, to, to spirits. They're sacrificing these foods to demons. And of course, you're thinking, why would they do that? Read it again, brother. Verse 68. For behold, the burning wrath of a great multitude is kindled over you, and they shall take away certain of you and feed you being idle with things offered unto idols. So this is why he said, if, you know, if there, if a brother tell you, you know, that was offered up to, to Yahweh, then for the sake of that brother right there, you should not partake in it. That's what the scripture is saying. It's not saying you can eat pork, brothers and sisters. But these are the scriptures they'll take you to. Let's go to Romans 7. Now, I love to go to Romans 7 because a lot of times when Christians go into Romans or they deal with Paul, every time they see law, they believe it's talking about the law of Moses. And what you're going to find out is there's many different laws. Every time it says law... Is not talking about the law of Moses. We want to prove that to you. So we're going to go to Romans 7 and 1. And one thing you must remember, brothers and sisters, there's many different laws. Many. And the unlearned, every time they see the word law, they will they will correlate that to all the laws of the Old Testament. We're going to show you that, that would be you would be ill-advised if you did that. Romans 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Right. See, now at this point, he's talking about the law of Moses. It have dominion over you as long as you live. What goes up must come down. That don't change. Continue, brother. Verse two. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. See, now this is another law. See, this is what? The law of marriage. See, so in the first first scripture, he's talking about the law of Moses. In the second scripture, he's talking about the law of marriage. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 2. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband, so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. Right, so the law of marriage is that a woman is bound to her husband unless he die, then she's free. And he's going to relate that to a common law. Continue, brother. Verse 3, so then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Right, so this is correlation to us being able to marry Christ. Remember, we were married to the Most High. Something had to die in order for us to marry again. See? So now we can marry the bridegroom, Christ. We were put away because we broke his law. We fell away. 
something died. Christ died. Then, therefore, we were able to marry again. But we wanted to show you that the law of Moses was spoken of in the first uh, verse. And then the second and third verse is a completely different law. So my question to Christians is, when they go to these scriptures about the laws done away with, I ask them, what law? Because law is singular. It doesn't say laws. It says law. So which law are you talking about? So a Christian will look at this, and because they're unlearned, every time they see law, they'll, they'll just view it as Moses. Just think about that. Think about how confusing, confused they are. Continue, brother. Verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. See, so this is the example of how in order to remarry, a death must take place. See? Continue, brother. Verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were, we were held... That we should serve in newness of spirit. Read 5 one more time, brother, if you don't mind. Verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So fruit unto death. What was that? The, because we know that the law of Moses doesn't work death. This is speaking of that law that came from Adam. Remember, Adam had a choice of life. Or to choose that tree that would bring death. See? So there would be a law instituted through Adam in which his children would have to struggle with these same choices. Now this is a different law. This is the first five scriptures and he's gone into three different laws. And a Christian will see this and think it's talking about the law of Moses each time. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. For when, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law... Did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law. That being dead wherein we were held. That we should serve in newness of spirit. And not in the oldness of the letter. Right. So let us show you that that, that law we received through Adam's sin. We're going to show you what that is. Let's go to Second Ezra chapter 3 verse 20. So just because you see law doesn't mean it's talking about the law of Moses. And that's what we, this is what we have to show Christians. And Israelites too, because Israelites will see, they believe what the Christians are saying, that, Ma, that, that Paul is saying the law is done away with. That's why they don't believe in Paul. Because one thing the Israelites are going to do is follow the law. But if they feel like Paul is saying don't follow it, then they'll reject Paul. When Paul never said don't follow the law. He never said that. Let's read uh, 2 Ezra 3 and 20, brother. Second Ezra 3 verse 20. And yet tookest thou not away from them a wicked heart, that thy law might bring forth fruit in them. Right, see that wicked heart. This is the law that was instituted through instituted in the flesh through Adam's sin, that wicked heart. Continue, brother. Verse 21. For the first Adam bearing a wicked heart transgressed and was overcome. And so be all they that are born of him. So that law was in Adam after he sinned. If you eat that fruit, you would die. This was the law. Continue, brother. Verse 22. Thus infirmity was made permanent. See? That infirmity was made permanent. So there would be something in you that would always want to do the wrong thing. So this is another law. This is the law of sin, of sin that came with Adam. So that means that any child of Adam would have the propensity to want to sin. 
even though he know what's right. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 22. Thus infirmity was made permanent, and the law also in the heart of the people with the malignity of the root, so that the good departed away and the evil abode still. Right, so that root that came from our father Adam. So we wanted to show you that Paul is jumping from topic to topic. Why is he doing that? Because he's writing these letters to the elders. See? So this would be confusing to the layman because they don't have the understanding. The Bible says through precepts that I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. We've only gone through the first five scriptures of Romans 7. And he's gone into three different laws. And a Christian will look right at that and think that this is talking about the law of Moses each time. So we got to be aware of that, brothers and sisters. It's speaking of the law that came with, with Adam, the sin of Adam, that wicked heart. Let's prove it. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. We're going to read 15 through 17. <clears throat> Genesis 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. See, there was no such thing as death. Adam brought forth a new law of death that came with the sin of Adam. See? So even so, animals would die because of Adam's sin. That brought forth death throughout all of creation, not just man. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Verse 18. Uh, no, we're going to go back to Romans now. Romans 7 and 6. We're going back to where we left off. We wanted to show you what law it's talking about in reference to Adam. The law of death. The law of sin and death. Romans 7 verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law. That being dead wherein we were held. That we should serve in newness of spirit. And not in the oldness of the letter. Right. Now this is speaking of the law of sin and death. Through Adam. See. Read that one more time brother. Verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law. That being dead wherein we were held. That we should serve in the newness of spirit, see, but not in the oldness of the letter. See, delivered from the law. See, they'll, they'll look at this and they'll think right away this is the law of Moses. No, we're being delivered from the law of sin and death, brothers and sisters. From sin and death. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held. That we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Right. So Adam and Eve had clothes and that's when that law was instituted, brothers and sisters. The law of death was instituted throughout all creation. When they left the garden, they had clothes on. Something had to die. That's what we're trying to show you. Christ delivered us from that death. That's how we're not under the law. That's the law it's talking about, not the law of Moses. This is speaking of the law of death, brothers and sisters. In the oldness of the letter, if you didn't follow it, what? If you broke a law, what? Death. That's what happened in the oldness, in the, in the oldness of the law. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. 
But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Right. So death is what Christ did away with. He didn't do away with the law. He did away with the death part of it. See, so this law is not speaking about the law of Moses. This is speaking about the law of Adam, of sin and death. See, and you must know this, brothers and sisters, especially if you know, if you know, you're looking to be able to share something with somebody because a Christian will use this and stumble you. So we need to go there first to prep you for it. Therefore, when they go to it, you're already prepared. You're already prepared. You see it coming a mile away. See, this is the scriptures they'll use and they'll make you think that all of everything that we're going to read in this chapter is talking about the law of Moses when it's not. Paul was on a level, brothers and sisters, where he he was a deep brother. He was a very deep brother. He was a what you call a, from the West Indies. He was from the West Indies. He's from the tribe of Benjamin, brothers and sisters. So he was a Jamaican Trinidadian. See, he was deep. He wasn't saying break the law, brothers and sisters, at all. Let's go to First John two and four before Revelations, brothers and sisters. First John 2 verse 4 He that saith I know him And keepeth not his commandments Is a liar and the truth is not in him See so if you are Trying to use scriptures to say that You're allowed to break the law You're a liar and the truth is not In you pastor is not in you Israelite or whoever Read that one more time brother Verse 4 he that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. See? And the truth is not in him. See? So only somebody who's dealing in the spirit of of Satan in a demonic from a demonic aspect would be trying to use scriptures to say that you don't need to follow the law. What kind of God would tell you you don't have to follow the law? That's Satan. That's Satan, brothers and sisters. And they knew that Paul's words would be hard to be understood. That's why they built their foundation on Paul. They did this meticulously, brothers and sisters. Because why? We read first, Christ said what? I came not to do away with the law. That's plain and simple, black and white. But they would use these gray areas of what they would deem to be gray areas because it weren't gray areas at all. Because these letters were written to deacons and elders only. This was elder and deacon conversation. This wasn't meant to have be doctrinal, brothers and sisters. Let's go to 1 John 5 and 3. Just a few chapters over. 1 John 5 verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. So if you want to, if you love God, this is how you show him love. You show him love by keeping his commandments. So why would Paul be saying that you don't have, that the law is done away with? He wouldn't be saying that. He didn't say that. He would never say that. If you're getting that, then you right away, because you know the doctrine and the foundation of Christ, you know, okay, it can't be saying what it looks like. Because I know that the Most High would never contradict himself. And see, that's the that's the important part about having a foundation, because you know that foundation, if anything doesn't fit with that foundation, you know that you must just be misunderstanding it. That's that's how that's the importance of having a foundation, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Right. Let's go to 1 John 3 and 4. 1 
First John 3 verse 4. Whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. See? Sin is the transgression of the law. So if there's no law, that means there's no sin. See? I had to ask the pastor. I had to ask the pastor, what's sin? He went into a whole big spill on something else. I'm like, no, sir. I point him right in this direction of this scripture. Sin is transgression of the law. So are you saying there's no such thing as sin? See? And that's what these Christian churches are telling you. If the law is done away with, that means there's no such thing as sin. That means you can do what you want to do. What will you be judged on then? What will you be judged on? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 4. Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. See? So if you're saying the law is done away with, then you're actually saying there's no such thing as a sin. And I don't know. what That's a doctrine of the devil right there. You've been seduced. You're drinking that wine. You're drinking the wine of Babylon if you think there's no such thing as a sin. And you can look at the world today and it seems like they all have that opinion. Because this is what the church is teaching. This is what the church is teaching. The law is done away with. And they'll use Paul as if Paul was going against Christ. Paul never went against Christ. He built, he, he, he mimicked Christ. He showed the grace and the liberty. That's what he was doing. A lot of people were seeing Paul, Israelites were seeing Paul saying, what is he doing? Something wrong with him. Why is he hanging out over there where Gentiles worship at? Why is he going into their shambles buying food? So everybody attacked Paul. Nobody understood what Paul was doing. And those who reject Paul today will probably reject Christ, to be honest with you. Because the same way they're saying Paul isn't following the law, they said Christ wasn't following the law. That's why the Pharisees tried to kill him. Because they said he wasn't following the law. So those who don't accept Paul probably won't accept Christ, brothers and sisters. We must know that. Paul was just as deep as all the other disciples. It's just that a lot of people are unlearned. They don't understand. And that's fine too. Pray about it. Take time. You don't have to throw it out because you don't understand it right away. The Most High will continue to teach you and uh, build you up spiritually. Therefore, you can understand. Somebody who doesn't study the Bible regularly is not going to understand Paul. And if you can't understand Paul, just stick with the gospel. Because you have to learn the gospel first. before You have to learn Christ before you go to Paul. You don't learn Paul and then go to Christ. That's backwards. You must learn Christ first and then go to Paul, brothers and sisters. Let's go back to Romans 7 and 7. Romans 7 verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? This is speaking of the law of Moses again. See how he keep jumping? He didn't went from the law of Moses to the law of marriage to the law of sin and death. Now he's back at the law of Moses. See how this can be confusing to a Christian? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So is the law bad? That's, that, that's the question. He said, I wouldn't know what was wrong if it wasn't for the law. So how can the law be bad? The law is the regulator. That's what the law is. It's what we compare ourselves to. To know, okay, hold on, that's that's not right, that's wrong. See? So why don't they pull out this scripture when they're trying to say the law is done away with? Read it one more time, brother. Verse 7. 
What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Right. So the commandments are good, brothers and sisters. The commandments are good. Because why do we know it's the law of Moses? Because coveting is in the law of Moses. That's how you know he's talking about the law of Moses. See? That's how you can prove that he's talking about the law of Moses. Because coveting is in the law of Moses. That's the Ten Commandments, brothers and sisters. See? Continue, brother. Verse 8. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. Yes. For without the law, sin was dead. Right. So this is the law of sin from Adam. Once again, now he switched again. We Remember, we read that, that law of sin and death that came with Adam. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. Right. So concupiscence is unlawful physical activity like orgies and stuff like that. So he's saying, until I found the law... I did not know sin. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 8. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. Right. So without the law, sin was dead, because I, I didn't know what sin was. I didn't know what sin was without the law. And the example that we use is, before we came into the law, there was things that we just did naturally that turned out to be a sin. Eating foods that, you know, we were eating. Celebrating days that just came natural to us. Going out on Saturday, Friday night. These are things that just came natural. We didn't know we were sinning until we saw the law. That, see, so the law is good. The law is respectable, brothers and sisters. That's the schoolmaster. So Paul never said that the law was done away with, ever. And if somebody's teaching that, then you know they're a liar and the truth is not in them. Continue, brother. Verse 9. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So when I learned the law, I recognized the sin. Now I can recognize it. See? Now that I know the law, when something come up in me, I can say, hold on. All right. That's something I'm going to have to work on now. That's something I'm going to need to pray to the most high about because I know that it's there now. And that's the good thing about recognizing. Now you can work on it. If you can't recognize it, you're never going to work on it because you can't see it. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 9. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Right. See, so he's saying, read that one more time, brother. Verse 9. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Right. So he was alive without the law before he knew the law. But when he came, when he understood the commandments, the Ten Commandments, the law, that sin reviled in him and he died, which means he had to kill that old man. He recognized that what he was doing was a sin and he had to kill that man and he died. That's what it's saying. You have to kill your former self. When you just not, you know, when you don't have any, you're not cognizant of the law, you just freely just floating like a butterfly. But once you realize that there's a sin there, you realize there's something you must work on. Brother Corey, read verse 9 again, please. Verse 9. For I was alive without the law once, 
But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Right. So once I learned the law, I could recognize the sin. Continue. Verse 10. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death for sin, taking occasion. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 10. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. Right. So the, the law is holy. Every time you read that last part again, brother. I found to be unto death. Or yeah, you can just read the whole scripture again. Verse 10. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. He found to be unto death. That means every time you have the choice to follow the commandments, he sees sin telling him not to. That's what he's seeing. He's saying, I know what's right, but there's something in me, that wicked heart that came with Adam, that's telling me to do something else. That's what he's seeing here, brothers and sisters. Verse 11, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and I, and I by it slew me. Right, see, read that one more time. Verse 11, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Right, because why? The wages of sin are death. Continue. Verse 12, wherefore the law is holy. Read that again. Wherefore the law is holy. Why don't they bring out this scripture when they're saying the law is done away with? This is Paul. The law is holy, brothers and sisters. This is Paul. Continue. Verse 12. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good. Read that part again. Verse verse 13. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin... That it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Right, see? So now, I have the understanding of what the sin is. Therefore, I can work on that. I can ask the Most High help for that. So the law is right. The law is good. Because without that, you wouldn't know what a sin is. Continue, brother. Verse 14. For, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. See, read that again. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, right. sold under sin. Right, see? So he's even saying, you know, when I'm in my flesh, I'm carnal. The law is spiritual. The law is good. Why don't they bring out these scriptures of Paul? Because they don't understand Paul. Paul was an advocate of the law. But he was an advocate of grace in the law. Continue, brother. Verse 15. For that which I do, which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. For that which I do, I, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. See, so what he's saying is I'm doing things that I don't really want to do. That's what he's saying. He's saying I know what's right, but for some reason, I keep making, you know, the wrong decision. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. See, so what I would, what I know is right, I'm not doing. What I don't want to do is what I'm doing. That's that thing up in him. 
That's when you got to kill that old man because there's something in you that wants you to go back to that old man, that old woman that you used to be. It will always be there because why? The sin of our father, Adam. Continue, brother. Verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is more, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. See, so when you're doing what you don't want to do, it's not you. It's that thing that you got from Adam. Read that again, brother. Verse 17. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Right, see? So when you start to sin, you realize that's not you. That's that old man trying to come out of you. Or that old woman trying to pull you back in. So what he's saying is there will always be that struggle that inside of us. Each and every man, each and every woman will have that struggle. Because you must root out that old man, that wicked heart that we got from Adam. Continue, brother. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Read that again. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Now look how humble this brother is. He was on a level because he was saying, when I'm dealing in my flesh, there's no good thing. There is no good thing in me when I'm dealing with my flesh. Continue, brother. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Right, so he finds himself doing the other. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Right, see, so the law is present with me, I understand, but... I still make the wrong decision. This is Paul being completely honest. He's writing to the to the elders this, the 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 struggles he had personally as a man. And some people will say, "Well, if he's dealing like that, he he shouldn't be part of the church." No, he should be part of the church. He's being honest, and he's writing this letter to his brothers because they may be going through the same thing. Right. He's being honest. Continue, brother. Verse nineteen. For the good that I would that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Right. So that sin of Adam beating the spirit. See. So we must buffer our spirit and kill our flesh. That's what we must do. When you notice that there's a spirit there, something you struggle with, you got to get that under control. And then if you view something else, then you go move on to that and get that under control. And this whole time, you're just becoming better. Better and better as a woman, as a man. You're being perfected because you're noticing sins about yourself. And you take it down one by one. That's what you must do. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 19. For the good that I would, that I, would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not. It is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. See, that sin dwelling in me is what? It's that weakness that we all have. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 20. Now, if I do that what I would not, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Right. See, so that sin dwell, that sin is present. And if you can see that sin, then there's something good about that. Then you know what to work on. Because that sin may keep you out of the kingdom. See, and if you don't realize that sin is there, you probably will be kept out of the kingdom because you're not working on anything. See, and while you're working on this, you're not sinning 
because you're doing the work. So it's a good thing to to recognize that sin because that same thing may hold you up from getting into the kingdom. It's better that you recognize it and bind it, brothers and sisters, all of us, including myself. Continue, brother. Verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. See, he's saying even when I do good, evil is still present. How do you know that? Because you actually had to make the decision to do the right thing. See, that lets you know that there's evil still present. Even when you make the right decision, you understand that you could have did something else. Evil is always going to be present, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. See that law. Look at how many times it says law. And Christian will look at this and think it's talking about the law of Moses this entire time. They would miss all of the, the, the details in this. They would miss the whole understanding of this if you think that this is talking about the law of Moses. How could this be talking about the law of Moses? It's that, that heart that you got from Adam, that we got from Adam, to want to sin. And that sin bring forth death. That's what this is talking about. Read that one more time. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. See? So in your mind, you know what's right. You know the commandments. You know the law. But it's something in you, in your members, in your extremities that wants you to do the wrong thing. And that thing makes you a slave to it. Continue, brother. Verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Christ our Lord. For then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 25. I thank God through Christ our Savior. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. See, so with my mind, I want to worship the Most High, but my flesh wants me to do something else. So once you realize that sin, you say, listen, I need to keep this at bay. This is going to be nonstop. It's always going to be there, brothers and sisters. It is always going to be there. That thing that wants you to go back to who you used to be. That's always going to be there, brothers and sisters. None of us can escape the sin of Adam. None of us. That came from our forefathers. So you need to, we need to recognize that, brothers and sisters, and get a control of that. Not, you know, put blinders on and act like we're not sinning. You need to recognize that sin. I need to recognize it. Therefore, we can correct it before the judge come. Because you don't want the judge to judge you while you're still dealing in your sin. So Paul, this is some deep information Paul is dealing with here. Christians will use this to say that the law is done away with. When he used the word law about 25 times in this chapter, and they all were different laws. So if you don't... if, if this, because I know this is a more advanced lesson, if some of this is hard for you to understand, the one thing you need to remember is what? That every time it says law in the epistles, it's not speaking of the law of Moses. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. If you can remember that, then the Most High will bring you the rest. You take, a, you take them right to uh, Romans 7 and show them all these different places where it's speaking of law and show them how it's not the law of Moses. See? Because a Christian will go right to these same chapters... To say that the law is done away with and they can eat whatever they want and they can do whatever they want. 
Let's go to Romans 6 and 14. Romans 6 verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under under the law, but under grace. Right. The law of sin. This is what it's talking about. The law of sin is in us from Adam. This is not talking about the law of Moses. See, because you're supposed to die when you break the law, but now you have grace to get it right. So that law that came from Adam, not the law of Moses. Continue, brother. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. Right. So if it wasn't under, if it wasn't for grace, we would all be dead under Moses' law, all of us. Because we've all done things that are unto death. So he's saying, because we're not under the law of death, because we have grace, should we just sin on purpose now? So you know that eating pork is wrong, but you say you're under grace, so you're just going to eat it anyway. Well, I'm under grace. I'm, I'm going to church on Sunday. Well, I'm under grace. I'm going to celebrate Christmas. I'm under grace. That means you know that it's wrong. And you're just saying you're under grace so you could do it. You're purposely doing the wrong thing. You know what the Bible says. We know we know the Bible. But yet we're saying we're under grace. See? Read that again from the top, brother. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves service to obey... His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Right. See, so we're under grace to overcome the sin, not to continue sinning. The Most High gave us an opportunity to recognize sin and repent. The Bible says, whoever you obey, you are servant to them. So who are you obeying? You're either going to obey the Most High, you're going to obey Satan. So either your God is the Most High because you're following his law, statutes, and commandments, or your God is Satan because you're trying to use Paul against Christ when you can't do that. Are you following Paul or are you following Christ? That's my question. I'm following Christ. And Paul was following Christ too. But some people are trying to put Christ against Paul as if Paul was better than or greater than Christ. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves service to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey? Right. Let's go to verse 19 through 23. Same chapter. Verse 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. See, the infirmity of your flesh that will be forever. That infirmity that came from my father Adam. For, for as ye have yielded your members' service to uncleanliness and to iniquity and to iniquity, even so now yield your members' service to righteousness under, unto holiness. Right, so as you did to yourself evil in the world, now yield yourself to the Most High. The same way you did evil while you were in the world. Yield yourself to the Most High and do good and bring forth fruit. Continue. Verse 20. For when ye were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? Right, so what fruit did you bring back to the Most High while you was in the world? What did you bring back to the Most High while you were sinning? See? Continue, brother. For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Right. So yield yourself to the Most High. You will have a reward. That's what this is saying. Yield yourself to the Most High and you will have a reward. Now we have a few more scriptures. I have a clip that I want to play you because there's a few passages in Paul's writings, 
where a Christian, predominantly a Gentile, will say, the Israelites have done away with everybody can be Israel. It doesn't matter if you follow the law, statutes, and commandments, you're an Israelite. Pastor Stephen Anderson here from Faithful Word Baptist Church in Tempe, Arizona. I just wanted to make a quick video rebuking the stupidity of the black Hebrew Israelites. And this movement is something that you'll see a lot on YouTube, Facebook, different places, where they're constantly piping up with just the most ridiculous, foolish arguments. Uh, they really just prey on people's ignorance and, you know, anybody who's following them, I'm sorry, but is, is not very smart. They just assume that people haven't read the Bible, so they cherry pick strange verses out of context. And their whole point is to try to prove that Jesus was black and that black people are the true Jews and so forth. Now, let me just start out by saying this. I have nothing against black people. I love black people. And, and frankly... It doesn't matter to me what color Jesus is because if Jesus were black, that wouldn't bother me at all and I would worship him just as much except that the simple fact is that Jesus was not a black man and so therefore that's a lie and so I'm going to rebuke it as such. And the fact that a certain segment of black people known as the black Hebrew Israelites want to make such a big deal about turning Jesus into a black man which is contrary to scripture, contrary to history, contrary to common sense, they're just obsessed with skin color. And these fools don't realize that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. The color of our skin means nothing in the New Testament. The nationality that we're from means nothing in the New Testament. Our ethnicity means nothing. Our genealogy means nothing in the New Testament. But these carnal black Hebrew Israelites are just trying to glory in their flesh. If, if you're black and you're watching this video and you want to be the true Israel, all you have to do is receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and then you're grafted in as a true Israelite. You don't have to pretend that Jesus walked this earth as a black man. You can just believe on Jesus no matter what color he is, it doesn't even matter. You could believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and then you'll be a child of God and then you'll be one of God's chosen people and you won't have to do any mental acrobatics or twist and lie about what the Bible says. You can be a spiritual Israelite. And I'm still waiting to see where the spiritual Japanese at. <laughs> Who are the spiritual Romans? See? So now, because I like a Japanese culture, am I a spiritual, ja am I a spiritual samurai now? <laughs> See, so they only do this when it comes to us. Where are the spiritual Egyptians at? So if you want to be an Israelite, just follow the law, statutes, and commandments, and you'll be an Israelite. How can you transform yourself into another nation of people? If you follow the laws, you're just following the laws. You're still your nationality. You haven't changed into somebody else. This is the confusion that comes out of the Christian church, brothers and sisters. This is the confusion we're going to go into the scriptures that they use of Paul's to say there is no difference. We're going to Romans 10 and 12, brothers and sisters. We have three, three more passages. We're going to close it out. Romans 10 verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. See, so they'll look at this scripture and they'll say, see, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. So it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who Israel is. 
But this scripture is not saying that. This scripture is saying there's no difference between a Jew and a Greek in regards to judgment. So the Edomite not make it into heaven because he's an Edomite, even though he's following the laws? So the Jew make it into the kingdom even though they're not following the laws? That's what this is saying. There's still an order. It's saying that the Most High God, if you don't follow his law, statutes, and commandments, it doesn't matter if you're an Israelite. If you do follow it, then it doesn't matter if you're an Edomite. It doesn't matter if you're a Hamite. If you follow the law, statutes, and commandments, you'll be rewarded. If you don't, as an Israelite, you will, you'll be rewarded too with hellfire. Read it again, brother. Verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is written to all that call upon him. Right. See, so this is a scripture that they'll use and have completely no understanding about it. This is not saying that it doesn't matter who Israelites are. Well, everybody could be an Israelite. You could just be a spiritual Israelite. You just follow the law and then you'll be God's chosen people. See, this is the racist doctrine that they deal with. They're pretty much telling you, you don't matter. You don't matter. See? These are the scriptures they use of Paul. Go to Romans 1 and 16, brother. Romans 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Right, so how can there be no difference if it says to the Jew first, then to the Greek? Now, we brought this up on two occasions because why? Gentiles need to understand that it says to the Jew first, then the Gentile, that's including punishment too. So the Israelites will get punished first too. We've already been punished. That was slavery. Your punishment is coming now. See? So don't look at it and think that your punishment is not coming. You should look at our punishment and say it did say to the Jew first, then to the Gentiles. So that means there's a punishment coming for me next. Therefore, you would put down your sin. Because if he did it to us. See, this isn't just rewards. The reward will go to the Jews first too. But so will the judgment. Because to whom much is given, much is required. We were punished. We're still being punished. And there's a punishment coming to Gentiles if they don't turn away from the sins of their father. There is a difference, brothers and sisters. And see, this is why a lot of Israelites who are dealing in the Old Testament try to say that Gentiles won't make it into the kingdom because of that right there. Because they feel like Gentiles will come in and overtake it and then tell us we don't matter because that's what they've done before. You don't have to worry about that, though. You're not going to manipulate scripture and say Gentiles aren't going to make it because you're scared that somebody's going to replace you. (laughs) The fact of the matter is, if you follow the law, statutes and commandments, you'll make it. But there still be an order. Israel will be ruling. That's okay. There's somebody ruling right now. We don't have a problem with it. But that's why a lot of Israelites will say Gentiles are not going to make it. Because we, you know, there's a lot of Gentiles out there who say it doesn't matter who we are. If you just follow the laws, then you're an Israelite. Which is offensive. And it's dismissive. See, but we're equitable. Just because we know that Gentiles do that doesn't mean we're going to start lying on the Bible saying the Gentiles are not going to make it because they are. Mm-hmm. It'll be few of them because most Gentiles are not going to follow the law. But those who do will get the same reward. Because why? The Most High is not a respecter of persons. We're going to prove that to you. We're going to go to Romans 2 and 28. Because see, this is a scripture they'll go to to say that it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or an Israelite. Romans 2 and 28. 
Romans 2, verse 28. For he is not a Jew, which is out, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Right. See, so they'll say, see, it's, it's, it's not about who you are on the outside as a Jew. See, read that. Read that again, brother, from the top. Verse 28. For he, he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. See, so it doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're the Jews. It doesn't matter. Read it again. Verse 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and in spirit and not in the letter. Whose praise is not of men, but of God. See, so this isn't saying that it doesn't matter who the Israelites are. What this is saying is, if you don't change your heart, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew. That's what it's saying. The circumcision of the heart. doesn't matter if you're black or you know slave ships. That doesn't matter. If you don't change your inside, you're not going to make it into the kingdom. That's what this scripture is saying. It's not saying it doesn't matter if you're an Israelite. It's saying that that won't get you into the kingdom if you don't change your heart. That's what this scripture is saying. But they'll use this to say there's no, you know, everybody's an Israelite. doesn't matter who the Israelites are. It says that, you know, you're not a Jew outwardly. So it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if they're black. This is where they'll go. When really it's saying the opposite of that. It's saying just because you're an Israelite doesn't mean you get a free ticket into the kingdom. That's what this is saying. We're going to go to Romans 11 and 1. We're going to end it off here. Because Paul knew that the Gentiles would receive, you know, the teachings from us and then come against us and tell us we don't matter. Think about this. You adopt a son or daughter, right? You have other children. And when you get older, uh, or when that daughter gets older and the parents die, that adopted child will come and say, I'm taking all of mommy and daddy's inheritance. You don't matter. I'm going to tell them that I'm the original people. See? Just imagine that. Now this adopted child who's been adopted is now telling the blood children. doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to tell everybody I'm their child and me alone. And I'm going to take all the inheritance. That's what's going on. Read verse 1, brother. Romans 11, verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite. Now look at him. He's saying, this is Paul. He's magnifying his office. He said, I'm an Israelite. Read verse one. I say, then hath God cast away his people. God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. See, he's from the tribe of Benjamin, brothers and sisters. We, we know who that is. Those from the West Indies. See, so he's saying, did God do away with his people? No, I'm an Israelite. He was magnifying his office. Read, look, jump to verse 11 and read through 24, brother. Because he knew that Gentiles would come in and start trying to manipulate scriptures and take it over. And just bogart the whole thing and then tell us we don't matter. We taught you. We taught the Gentiles and then they come and tell us we don't matter. It's a judgment for that. Verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. Okay, so the Israelites, they stumbled, they fell. That's what this is saying. Are they going to be done away with? Read it again. Verse 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, 
but rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles. See, so through our fall, the Gentiles had a reason, a way to be accepted. If it wasn't for our fall, then the Gentiles wouldn't have salvation. See? So not now that you, now you have the information, it doesn't matter about us. See? Paul talked about that. Read it again, brother. Verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. See, so salvation went to the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. Why? Because we would see what the Gentiles have and we would want it. Therefore, we would come back to the law. We would see how they got three, four cars, how they're ruling governments, how they're flying on private planes. We would see that. How they're the lawmakers. And then we would say, hold on, I want my promise back. I want my promise back now. And that would lead us to come back to the law because we see what they have. Not to be jealous to want to take it from them, to get our own. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them, them to jealousy. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world... And the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles. See, the smaller Israel got, the richer the Gentiles got. That's why they have everything. See, through us going made small, they came up. Read it again, brother. Verse 12. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. See, so if the Gentiles got rich off Israel being made small, how much if those very same people come back to the law? If you think the Gentiles have a lot, how much more to these people if they come back to the Most High and turn away from their sin? You cannot say that Israel is done away with and everybody can be Israel. That's a sin. Continue, brother. Verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. See, he's speaking to the Gentiles. He's saying, listen, don't get too big now. I, he said, I'm the teacher of the Gentiles. Peter was to go to the Israelites. Paul' mission was to go to the Gentiles. He was converting Gentiles and Jews. Paul was deep, brothers and sisters. Read it again. Verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation, to emulation them which are my flesh, it might save some of them. See, so if I can provoke my people to come back to the law, it would save them. See? So Gentiles receive salvation in order to get Israel back right. How are you going to say it's not about these people now? There's an order. And the Most High is about order. Continue. Verse 15. For if the casting away of them be the re reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Right. So if the, if the world got rich through our fall, what would we get if we come back? Continue. Verse 16. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. Right. So if the fruit, the first fruit, if Abraham was holy, then he, that which came from Abraham, which is his children, Israel, they're holy too. Read it again, brother. Verse 16. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off. And thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them. Right, so if some of the branches were broken off, some Israelites were scattered. They were broken off. The ten tribes sent away. Because, why? They started following other gods. So if some of the branches be broken off, 
and the Gentiles are grafted into that same tree. Now Gentiles are grafted in. Why? Because they have faith. Read it again, brother. Verse 17. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partaketh of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. See, you were grafted into our tree, and now you're partaking of the fatness. Why? Because you believe. But, continue. 18. Boast not against the branches. Read that again. Verse 18. Boast not against the branches. See, boast not against the natural branches. We are the natural branches. You can't come into our record and then tell us we don't matter. See, he knew they would do this. You cannot do that. You can't come and say, yeah, well, it was meant for me to have it. The only reason you're teaching is supposed because I'm supposed to have it. You can't do that. You cannot boast against the natural branches. You were grafted into our tree. We accepted you. You can't then come tell us it doesn't matter who we are. Read it again, brother. Verse 18. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Right. See, so if you boast, you're boasting in our history. You're not boasting in your own history. We're the Israelites. So if you start boasting, you're not even boasting your history. You're boasting ours. Continue. Verse 19. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Read that again. Verse 19. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. So then they would say, we were done away with just so they can receive it. See? That's that boasting that we just heard on that clip. Everybody's in Israelite. Doesn't matter who you are. We have the truth now. It doesn't matter. Read it again, brother. Verse 19. Thou wilt say... The branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. See, so we were broken off for unbelief. But be not high-minded. He's telling the Gentiles, be not high-minded. Why is that? But fear. For if God spared not the natural branches. Read that again. For if God spared not the natural branches, Take heed, lest he also spare not thee. So if he destroyed his own people, what do you think he'll do to you? That's what this is saying. Don't boast. Don't start boasting now because you have some understanding against these people. Because if he did that to his own people, what do you think he would do to you? Read it again, brother, please. Verse 21. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore... The goodness and severity of God on them which fail severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. See, so if you continue in goodness, Gentiles, like some of these Gentiles, Cornelius and amongst others, if you continue in love, in goodness, in reverence, being in your place, allowing the Israelites to be in their place, then you're fine. If you don't, you'll be cut off. Then you'll be cut off. Read it again, brother. Verse 22, Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fail, severity, but toward thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. So if our people decide that we're going to follow the Most High's law, statutes, and commandments, we can be accepted back. So you're saying, pretty much, you're saying that you can be grafted into our tree, but we can't be grafted back in. How does that make any sense? See? So if you can be accepted, then will not we be accepted if we come back? This is that spiritual Israelite deception where they say it doesn't matter who you are. 
They only say that to us. They don't say that to anybody else. Continue, brother. Verse 24. For if thou wert cut off out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive trees? See, so if Gentiles were able to receive the fatness of the world, rulership, money, everything that they have, lawmakers, how much more were those who are the fruit, the root, Abraham's seed, how much will they receive? So we needed to show you that Gentiles... It, you'd be ill-advised to boast against the natural branches because you have some understanding or to tell these people they don't matter because they do matter. Just like you matter. You matter too. We never tell Gentiles they don't matter. But we always hear it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter. I don't care what color Jesus was. Well, you know what? I It, it matters to us. It matters. Truth matters. I don't care if he was green, purple, or po- blue. If it's the truth, it's the truth. That's what matters. It's not about the color. It's about the truth. That's what it's about. Because it's easy once you already have stolen the image and put him as a white man to say it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter because he's hanging up white on my wall. That's why it doesn't matter. See? It's easy to say that when you already win, when you've already won, and then to say it doesn't matter. Well, you give us our Christ back, you give us our Bible back, you give us our land back, then we'll tell you it doesn't matter. See? Because you have everything, and now you're saying it doesn't matter. Don't boast against the natural branches. We needed to show you, brothers and sisters, some of the misunderstandings in Paul. Today we discussed that there's there's a bevy of different laws in Scripture. And when it says law, it doesn't just mean the law of Moses, which means the Ten Commandments or the the Levitical laws. We've also seen the, the difference of the contentions in the shambles, eating in the shambles. How we were not allowed to eat in the shambles. And then at some point after Christ, we were allowed to as long as it was lawful. And finally, we showed you the scriptures that they used to say that there is no difference between people. And it doesn't matter who the Israelites are. They're done away with. They didn't follow God. And now everybody's in their Israel. Which is a lie. Everybody is special within their own right. You don't have to try to be somebody else or steal somebody else's identity. You can be yourself how God made you special. Every nation of people have special characteristics. And there's nothing wrong with that, brothers and sisters. This was the misunderstanding of Paul. We want to say, Kwam Yashala, Kwam Yashala. Sin no more.